Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Captain Hunter's Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the community that they serve. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So today, if you have any concerns about COVID-19 uh, vaccine, uh, we're going to try to ease those fears. Uh, some people are willing to get it. Some people are, will are not willing to get it. And for various reasons, right? Some people have a general distrust of the medical system. Some people have a general distrust of politicians. Some people have a general distrust of because of the history that has been placed upon, primarily upon people of color and specifically uh, black people. Uh, some people just have a distrust uh, because of conspiracy theories or distrust of vaccines overall. So we're going to try to um, give a platform to uh, um, a woman who is in charge of the city of New Haven, Connecticut, for making sure that people are getting the vaccines and, and setting people up and all that kind of stuff. So we recorded this a couple of months ago on Facebook Live. Make sure that you are tuning in every every Monday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to listen to and follow Captain Hunter's podcast on Facebook Live. However, if uh, if you don't, just continue to make sure you tune into these particular episodes. So we had Ms. Maritza Bond, MPH. Uh, she is the health department director for the city of New Haven. And so she's gonna come on and just kind of try to assuage uh, people's concerns and fears about uh, about uh, getting the COVID-19 vaccine. As I mentioned, uh, we recorded this uh, back in uh, a couple of months ago uh, when the vaccine was, was, was newer. Uh, I think by last count that I heard over 1 million, over 100 million, um, Americans have now been vaccinated. Vaccinations going around the world. People want to travel. You want to go to different countries. Uh, this is becoming more and more um, mandatory. Um, and countries are in countries in different states are actually mandating that people get their vaccinations. So we're going to give her a chance to uh, kind of assuage your fears and concerns. So uh, we we're going to turn over to our interview with Miss Mar Maritza Bond. She was the New Havener of the Year for the year 2020 because of her work, because of her advocacy, and because of her uh, strength and resolve and, and, and the programs that she instituted and oversaw for the city of New Haven, Connecticut. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is Miss Maritza Bond. Hey there. Hi, how are you? I'm good, good. How are you? Thanks so much for joining. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Not a problem, not a problem. Thanks so much. Um, so we got a viewer here. I don't wanna, I know that you are a incredibly busy lady. <laughs> so we will uh, jump right to it here. So if you would just kind of introduce yourself and tell us about yourself. Oh, good evening. My name is Marixa Bond. I'm the Director of Health for the City of New Haven. Happy to be here and um, welcome to anyone that's listening. Very good. So thank you once again for coming on. And so um, we want to have a conversation about uh, the vaccine rollout and that you're uh, responsible for in the City of New Haven, right? Is that what's going on? So Yeah, so at the City of New Haven, um, um, we are responding to all things COVID, and so we have been doing a number of efforts um, to mitigate this pandemic um, through different levels. Uh, the first was really trying to ensure access to equitable testing, 
And we rolled that out. Uh, we wanted to make sure that people had the ability to get tested if it they were symptomatic right within their community. We are now into the vaccination rollout where we've been um, really heavily uh, creating um, vaccine rollouts as uh, guided by the governor's office um, with the phased in approach. And we've been keeping equity and access at the forefront. So we've been doing a lot of pop-up um, vaccination sites in different communities to making sure that those that want to be vaccinated and are ready to get vaccinated have access to them. Very good. So, uh, so I did a show before about about uh, this the people's reluctance to get uh, vaccinated, um, and so this is going to be kind of a continuation of that show. We had a doctor on before, and now you have uh, you're you have an M MPH, right, Master of Public uh -huh. Health. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, since I, I got a master's in public health. <laughs> <laughs> since uh, since I got older, I I just got discovered all these different letters behind people's names. You know, all these so, acronyms, right? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, yeah. a bunch of alphabet soup people here. Um, so I definitely taste better than some alphabet, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you say so, we'll take your word for it on that one. <laughs> um, so, um, so people have been very reluctant to to get this this vaccine. Is that correct? I know I'm probably I'm not probably I'm definitely one of them. Yeah, I think I you know there's a there's a lot of reasons. Um, as I talk to different individuals in the community, um, being a native raised um, in New Haven has um, definitely allowed some um, candid conversations with people feeling really comfortable with. Um, having uh, questions and which rightfully so, and just talking about is this vaccine safe for those of us that are black and brown communities? Um, so one of the things that we've done um, in this process is to really understand the research and the science behind it so that we can um, quickly be able to share with the public. So, you know, another thing we were notified is the vaccine just was developed too quickly. And how is that possible? And one of the things that um, was critical is that coronavirus in general is not a new virus. So a lot of scientific researchers have been trying to really grapple with how do we um, address this virus? So COVID-19 was really one that was exacerbated and impacting the community at such a higher rate that laboratories were already in process, and so they were able to just scale up the research and um, start clinical trials at, at a higher rate than normally they would um, with any other um, infectious disease. Um, and so it, it, so it's critical. Hold on, I'm gonna just kick my dog out. <laughs> well, don't kick him on the show. We don't need, I don't need uh, people complaining about that. <laughs> uh, no, hold on. I'm not gonna kick him literally, but I'm gonna put him out. <laughs> I'm doing a podcast video. Oh. So my dog is 10 pounds and he is totally into thinking he's my guard dog. And so <laughs> anything he hears downstairs, he will literally try to. So, you know, in wrapping up the 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 reluctancy of receiving the vaccine, we also know that there's other skeptics um because of the historic uh mistrust that the government has, um, unfortunately, reputation from prior generations and decades of research being done um, without knowledge and consent of community members. So Tuskegee, um, the Harriet Locks, 
situation. We, you know, especially her situation, her story, Henrietta Lacks, you know, had her cells removed um, when she had cervical cancer and her cells were utilized to um, literally create vaccines and other miraculous healing, healing to so many different diseases. And yet the family, number one, was not informed. Um, she didn't survive, um, um, you know, having this uh, terminal disease because she was too late in stage. And those things in those impactful situations really hinders our belief in systems. And, um, and so being in a system myself um, and wanting to be in a system where uh, my ultimate goal is really understanding the science presenting the science to individuals and really just allow individuals the autonomy to then choose for themselves. Because at the end of the day, um, whether you're black, white, um, Hispanic, Latinx, um, or other, and then identify in multitude ways, um, people identify in so many different ways, people need the information so that they can make the best choice for them. Absolutely. I want to dig into that, uh, to, to Henrietta Lacks uh, situation in a second here, but uh, a good friend of mine, Ray Rose, it says, speaking for myself, I never took a flu shot and respectfully uh, deny the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. It's way too soon. So here's one person who's speaking out against it. Um, and so, Ray, I thought you had to get it. I thought it was mandatory for, and I, listen, I don't know. I, I thought that police officers had to get it. So, so um, where is he a police officer at? Uh, it's Waterbury. not mandatory, Randy. So welcome. Thank you for Randy. all you do with public safety. <laughs> oh, okay. I just, I just didn't know. I'm not I mean, gonna report you. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just thought it was. I just thought it was. Um, no, so it's not mandatory. Okay. Okay. So, well, that's that's good to know. So, uh, that's for any public health workers or or whatever. So any any individual at this juncture are are not being mandated to get the vaccine, whether you're in healthcare field or in the public safety sector or public health sector. I was vaccinated, um, and I'll talk a little bit of my, about my journey um, later in the show, but um, he brought up a good point about the flu vaccine. The difference between the flu vaccine and the mRNA vaccine for COVID-19 is that the flu vaccine is a live vaccine, whereas the, M, the messenger RNAs are vaccines that build antibodies in our system to protect us when there's a foreign disease trying to attack us. So um, those are definitely some distinguishes and I get it. Some people are for and against a uh, flu vaccine. And I think um, this is why we're having this conversation is to really talk about the differences of um, vaccines and then allowing people ultimately to still make the decision um, that that's best for themselves. Mm. So, yeah, so I, I, I'm in agreement with Ray. I, I usually don't get the flu vaccine. Um, so uh, it, it, I read today or I saw in the news today that the president is considering uh, mandating flights, people who are getting on airplanes to, I mean, this is consideration. It's not, it's not set in stone mm -hmm. yet. Uh, people who get on airplanes to get uh, vaccinated. Mm -hmm. what's, what's your thoughts about mandatory vaccinations for people to travel? Well, guess what? I'm traveling and I'm vaccinated. So I guess I'm going to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I'm all set. I could just pack my luggage and go. Uh, no, you know, I think <laughs> I just I have to joke about it sometimes. No, I think, you know, I think vaccination is is going to be vital to herd immunity. We we do, we have seen um, 
major public health milestones where vaccines have eradicated diseases and have built, and because of vaccines have built herd immunity. And that's really the goal that we're trying to get to with this particular virus, because in order for us to really get that right now, there's some research um, indicating that we need to vaccinate about six to 70% of the population before we can build herd immunity, right? So when you have built herd immunity, those that choose not to get vaccinated, then have protection from others, those that have been vaccinated. So, you know, can, it's a... Can you define herd immunity for us? Yeah, herd immunity is when you have protection in, in the community and um, you're able to be protected from getting um, the virus. And right now, because our vaccination rollout has not achieved that significant goal because it's going to take us a while to get there because of supply, demand and supply, um, we have to continue to follow the safety precautions of wearing a mask, you know, washing your hands often, avoiding social gatherings, and trying to making sure that you follow social distancing when you're around other people. Mm. Well, I'm kind of jealous you're going to Puerto Rico. So I'm leaving. I booked my flight. I'm taking two weeks off. I need yes. Yeah, so what? <laughs> um, <laughs> So let's go but back to listen, the Fauci said this, getting a vaccine does not give you a pass to go traveling. I said, well, I'm just going to take it as one tiny pass and then I'll, I'll get tested when I return because it's not 100 percent effective. Right. The vaccine is 95 percent effective and you still have a five percent chance that you can get COVID. So and it's still gonna... it's still it's still evolving. Right. I mean, there, there's always some new strain to it. So are we going to well, have to get this every every week, every not every week, yeah. every year, just like the flu vaccine? It, it, that's why we got to get the flu shot every year because it keeps yeah. evolving. Well, the thing about Randy that indicated about the flu vaccine, the efficacy rate has Raymond uh, Raylan. Hey, Raylan. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I Raymond, 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 yes. okay. Raymond. So Raymond <laughs> pointed out something important because the flu vaccine efficacy rate historically has um, fluctuated with the efficacy rate of pro providing us protection. And that's why a lot of people always became frustrated. Um, you know, I actively vaccinated myself with the flu just to lessen my symptoms should I get the flu. Um, just because my, you know, when I did get um, bronchitis, it was just so severe. It it just prolonged my period of healing. As the same thing is with this vaccination. You know, this vaccination offers protection. So, for example, there's two vaccines that came out. We have the Moderna vaccine, and we have the Pfizer vaccine. For the Moderna um, vaccine, science has now demonstrated that we do have protective factors. Um, against the, the UK variants and that we have protective factors for at least a year. And so that's actually good news. Pfizer still has not um, announced the protective factor. And to your question, how many times are we going to get vaccinated? Are we going to need these booster shots? Um, that is yet to, to be known. Um, I, we are We are concerned that we now have three variants that have entered our country. We have the South African variant, which I'm actually primarily concerned because of the uh, transmit the the strength that the, the mutation that it has, the strength and the potency of that virus. Um, B117 is in Connecticut and in New Haven County, um, and um, and and is you know more in the sequences 
that we're doing, we do not know the exact cases of B117 or other variants because our country has not invested in, in enough um, genomic surveillance, meaning laboratory surveillance, um, rather than just sequencing, right? Sequencing to me just means random sampling rather than surveillance um, altogether. So um, these variants are going to introduce some interesting dynamics and um, we shall see what, what the, the research shows and, um, and what the science um, behind it and support that, um, that we're gonna get. We also have four vaccines that are uh, ultimately gonna be coming out. We have one Johnson & Johnson that just went through the Federal Drug Administration approval under an emergency use authorization that's supposed to be actually better than the two that we just uh, are being offered. So, um, it's, it's going to, it's, there's there's going to ultimately lots of options and lots for us to learn. So again, that, um, and my role will be to provide the facts. This is the information that we know as of right now. This is the data. This is the clinical trials um, from each of the, the different vaccines and then allow the individual to assess what's best for them. Very good. Uh, I think you're doing a good job. Um, I do Thank want to get you. back. <laughs> Except for the part about going to Puerto Rico, honey. That's not a good job. <laughs> I'll send uh, the picture. <laughs> uh, well, I definitely don't want that. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to get back to the Henrietta Lacks thing uh, and, and the distrust that people have. But but there's a couple of questions coming in, so let's address these questions here. So Raymond <laughs> is asking a quick question. If someone tests positive for COVID and then beats it, why should they take the vaccine or should they take the vaccine if they beat if they beat it? Yeah. So absolutely. So this is the so that's a really good question. And thank you for participating and being one of my active Q&A people. Um, the, so if you've had COVID. You, you need to recover for at least 90 days. And the clinical trials have indicated that even after testing positive for COVID, recovering for the 90 days, um, getting vaccinated can still provide protective factors um, because it is known that you can get COVID multiple times. So you can get COVID again, especially that we're dealing with these new variants. Um, I wouldn't take the chance. I would certainly outweigh the risk um, and not... Um, and, and the factors, but it's important. Will the that severity you be there? Will the, if you get it once, uh, then you don't take the vaccine, and you and you, and you get it again. Will the you, will the symptoms be just as severe the second time around? The symptoms can vary. Um, I we know people that have gotten COVID nineteen, and the system the symptoms have um, been very different. Um, they still mimic the same type, but the level of of uh, the severity does vary. Um, you know, I, I I personally know know someone that had COVID twice, unfortunately, and um, and the first time around, they the symptoms were very uh, mild, and um, almost like they had like just a mild cold and mild fatigue, and then the second time around, I mean, it just put them out, and um, the individual was just suffering for weeks um, in the home and having to isolate. Um, for a longer duration of time than anticipated because it just hit the individual a lot harder the second time. So every, know the, every, every human yeah. body is different. Do they know if the strain was the same or the or the variant was the same? Was it the same? Did they get the same exact strain or or did that make a difference? So, um, well, it, it could make a difference if it's, the, it's a different level of strain. Um, I know that um, the laboratories will definitely determine the strain 
um, if they pull and sequence your laboratory test. Right now, everything is just being lumped into COVID-19 unless your test has been selected to be sequenced. Um, so if you, you're, you know, if, if you are demonstrating those characteristics, for example, you might be then your, your, um, your, um, your information then may get sent over, your laboratory information will then get sent over to, for further exploration to break it down by other variants. Very good. Another question here is from Aisha, our girl Aisha here. Uh, what are your thoughts hey, about, what are your thoughts about people just keeping their immune system strong? Are they at less risk? Uh, you know, individuals that are generally healthy um, can, um, ultimately recover at a much, much higher rate than those with pre-existing conditions. What's been unfortunate in our community um, in, um, in particular is that a lot of Black and Brown communities have pre-existing conditions, have things that genetically already were born with um, comorbidities. And so um, we at a higher rate have contracted COVID and have had the highest case fatality as a result. So yes, we want you to be healthy and yes, healthy individuals um, um, in, in a sense um, recover relatively quickly. The concerns that I have there is that we do not know the science yet on the long-term effects that this has um, on our bodies and organs um, in the future. And so there are some preliminary um, signs that are now showing some effects. Um, once we get some concrete reporting around that, we definitely will be doing education campaigns around the severity of what this has, um, the, what this virus can do to our bodies for long-term, because we know Younger people, especially have me, I have my college mom, I have college kids. We know younger people don't see, they don't not see, they would rather take the risk because only 0.1% may die um, if you're a healthy individual. So we want in healthy individuals to remain healthy and to definitely follow the necessary precautions and do not put yourself at risk. Yeah, I, that was. I actually wrote down that, that question about the long term effects. I mean, what we don't know what the long term effects are. People are having problems smelling, maybe breathing their their immune system yeah. and or their bronchial, yeah. bronchial, <laughs> respiratory system, bronchial yeah. respiratory system. I, I, I mean, we've known people, we've known people that they were not able to smell and taste for three four months. I mean, we've had people that uh, have a cough that lingers on for like six months. Um, you know. You know, blood costs and things of that nature. So, um, definitely uh, urge individuals to, to to stay, you know, to remain vigilant um, with the necessary precautions. Hmm. Very good. You guys got any more questions? And or uh, if you, uh, I want to hear about your story about why you don't want to get it, or why, or if you are going to get it. So, uh, before we get into uh, uh, Marita's um, uh, story about. Um, her her uh, vaccinating journey there before she goes to Puerto Rico. Uh, I'm not, I'm not jealous at all. Just in case, I'm just not jealous. Uh, so we want to talk about. Let's talk about a little bit more about Henrietta Lacks and just the difficulty that we have with Black and Brown community. Um, I could talk. Well, I know a little bit about um, uh, you know the Black community's problems with the medical system. We talk about Henrietta Lacks, which you already went through. Um, you know about the, the book. Buy the book. It's amazing. What is it? So Henry her story, okay. Yeah, her story is 
so profound. And I think it's so critical for anyone that really want to understand what happened to her and just her story and the journey um, and how many people's lives have been saved because of her. Um, it's really, it's a really good read. And so we had that one. That's a pretty thick book there. And so uh, the, the movie, um, Oprah did the movie as well. If you can't read for that long. <laughs> I can read that long. <laughs> um, so um, they also the syphilis experiments, uh, um, uh -huh. which went on uh -huh. for 40 years on, on black uh -huh. males when they thought they were getting medications and help uh -huh. and all that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. And then they weren't. And um, uh -huh. so and, and so we get those these particular experiments that that African Americans know about problem and many others. Um, and so um, is there anything that has been targeted towards the Hispanic community, Latin community, as far as their distrust for for the medical system? Yeah. So everything that we've been doing um, is making sure that we present the facts the facts as they are presented. We talk about each of the clinical trials so that we can. Um, we created, um, and I was going to show off some little, I don't know how to do it. So I guess I'll send them to you afterwards, but is we there, created, you could, can you send them to me now? Or, or is there a ad, is there a share screen option? I can try do, to pull them do up. Do I have a share screen option? Cause I can it show might be, It might be at the bottom there. Hold on. Let me see. Share screen. Oh, I can. All right. Okay. So I can share some images just to kind of give you um, an overview. I'm wondering if I need to save it under pictures. It's on, let's see something. You might, you might uh, just click on a share screen and you have to have that pic picture, whatever it is pulled up and we can just kind of go through it slowly. Here it is. All right, could you see that? Yes, I can see it. Awesome. So let me just make it bigger. Okay. So you can there see that? Go. I can see it. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. So what we did, let me just go back a little bit. All right. So what what we did is that we through the different phases and the in the different rollout, we wanted to make sure that we educated on the eligible and and were very specific and targeted to the individuals that um, need to be vaccinated. So for example, the first phase rollout was for um, healthcare providers, first medical responders um, that um, were in direct exposure to the pandemic, so the virus. So we conducted webinars for police, uh, fire, and healthcare professionals and to ensure that they understood um, the different science behind the facts and the vaccinations, and then be able to um, book an appointment. We also created a risk communication committee that comprises of different community leaders and community influencers so that they can be able to assess the content that we're developing and making sure that we're looking at culture, linguistic barriers, and those with vaccine hesitancy so that we can make sure that we're developing and rolling it out through different platforms. And so this is just examples of what I just mentioned that we did. We also wanted to make sure that the that we provided door-to-door -door, um, materials, educational materials. We have literally, um, it, I don't know if you have Twitter, but um, Twitter, Facebook, Health Department's Facebook page. And then we also developed a Viochi uh, uh, survey where congregate housing sites and elderly housing sites can then enroll themselves 
so that they can be able to, so we can be able to do on-site. Um, and by congregate settings, I mean like re-entry, um, substance abuse facilities that have, um, that have individuals residing in these different residents so that we can be able to offer the vaccine for them at a convenient place. Um, and that's one of the things that we wanted to do. And so just to, to show you, this is an example of all of our different partners. So we have um, representation from faith-based leaders, university leaders, key informants, community members at large, and just wanted to make sure that it was really, really inclusive because we wanted to make sure that the vaccine messaging was going to be consistent with all of the vaccine providers um, with evidence-based information so that, um, so that we knew our information was backed and sourced by um, uh, evidence-based material. So this is just some information that we did, um, examples of materials on messaging that we developed, um, how to protect yourself, and re really we still need to um, promote the stop the spread of the vaccine. Um, we want to help our bodies build immunity and gain a peace of mind. And so we sort of use these infographics as banners that we put up everywhere. Um, and also reminding the public that it is at no cost to them and they can, how easy they can schedule an appointment, how they can visit or who can they call um, so that they can be able to get, to, um, to get the vaccine or an appointment. But what, to your point earlier, we also needed to develop truths and myths. What a true, what's a truth and what's a myth, right? So I've already had COVID-19. I do not need to get that, the vaccination. We covered that um, earlier. That's a common question that we get. Um, COVID-19 will give you the virus. None of the COVID vaccine um, currently made in the United States are live virus vaccines, as I indicated earlier. So the goal of these vaccines are to teach our immune systems how to fight against the virus. And then another myth is the um, flu vaccine protects you against COVID-19. There is no evidence of 100% protection. Um, it, but it, what we do know is that we're protected 95% of the of of the exposure. So that's actually a significant amount. I mean, for a flu vaccine, not that I'm trying to knock knock down my, my flu because I still get my flu shot, it would only be like 34, 39% um, off. Wait, wait, wait. If you get the flu vaccine, flu shot, that's only a 39% or 40% protection? And, and every <laughs> year, and every year, that efficacy percentage would fluctuate. You know, some years it was 64. Um, oh, all the way up to 64. Okay. Oh, wow. But it was still relatively low. And <laughs> and the thing is that that flu vi virus changed so drastically every single year. So we were always a strain behind. And so um, and that and then the other myth is that the COVID vaccine have severe side effects and it does have side effects. And I, I will definitely be transparent and share my experience and the experience of others with anecdotal data that I've been collecting with my with my team and my friends that have been vaccinated. Um, but the vaccine and the clinical trials did demonstrate that there's moderate to side to um, to mild side effects. Um, this is just what we did was we um, developed some lapels for our community members. So if you get vaccinated at the health department, we give you a lapel in English and Spanish. Shout out to AT and T who fully sponsored and um, said thank you for answering the call. And so people leave with this badge of honor sort of saying they've been vaccinated. And so we wanted to make sure that we, we've we been in such a, a, a tough year 
um, that we wanted to make sure that this is fun and that um, people can take selfies when they leave after getting vaccinated um, because everybody's into that, right? Let's take a selfie or do a video. I had a pastor recently just do a video. So that's getting it ready to get rolled out. Um, and so we use other community influencers to be able to be our messengers because they've made that choice. And um, they could, they have trusted members. And so if they see a trust something a trusted member getting vaccinated, then that's something that can alter their decision or ask for the questions about the vaccine. Then lastly, we developed a FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions. And I can share all these resources with you after because I think it will be important to maybe post it somewhere. But we also, there's Frequently Asked Questions. This is just a, a table of contents. But we really asked about general questions and then went right into the specific safety questions because we wanted to make sure um, that people had the information that they need. So um, to Raymond's question, you know, like, are the vaccines mandatory? No, you can choose not to do it. Would it be mandatory in the future? Will policy change in the future for certain sectors? Maybe. Um, but as of today, um, it's not. And, um, you know, where do you go to get vaccinated? There's all these different myths about how to register. Um, there was a scam that tried to ramp up around the same time vaccine rollout. So if anybody asks you for your social security or bank information, then you know you're not calling the right place to get vaccinated because there's no charge and we should not be asking you anything other than your insurance card. And if you're uninsured, we will still vaccinate you. Um, so, you know, a lot of the main questions that we get is, is there a difference between the current approved vaccines, um, Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine? And they have definitely both proven to be effective, 94 to 95%. The Moderna vaccine starts at the age of 16 and up, whereas the Pfizer is for 18 and up. And both vaccines require two doses. Uh, Moderna requires 28 doses and the Pfizer is 28 day second dose. So the first dose, you get it 21 days later from um, Moderna. And then, um, I mean, sorry, 21 days after for Pfizer and then for Moderna is 28 days. I received the Moderna vaccine. The reaction to um, individuals' um, body is definitely different. Um, these are the example you see in front of you is um, a postcard that we've developed. So every time we the governor tells us, "Okay, we are ready to vaccinate," you know, seventy-five and over, we then did a multitude of um, outreach to all of the seventy-five and over communities. We went to senior resident. Um, residents so that we can make sure that we can provide access. We're now transitioned over to 65 and over. And anyone from the past, like healthcare workers can still register. Um, first responders can still register. And so what we're doing is this phased in approach is based on the risk factors of the community. Um, and so just, did I stop sharing it? Yeah, it stopped, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so ultimately, I just wanted to give you a glimpse of some of the stuff that we've been doing. I'm just trying to, okay, there we are. So I can be able to see you again. Um, being able to, to show you some of the things that we've been doing. And, you know, and it's important um, also to understand the differences of these two vaccines. They're both not live vaccines. They have a lot of commonalities. And the clinical trials um, really showed an increase of communities of color participating, which was um, which was remarkable. I mean, we had about 9% um, participate out of the 40,000 um, from one vaccine, there was about 9% that participated 
and then um and then the Pfizer vaccine you also had nine percent and then for the His, uh, Hispanic Latinx you had about fourteen percent um, increase so both um, black and brown communities participated so I just I do want to make a statement it, that the difference between the clinical trials with this vaccine is is that the clinical trials were optional inclusive and being closely monitored um and um and closely monitored and reported and were allowed to then go through the federally drug administration and under the emergency use authorization be approved um and so um that was that's something that's really different than some of the experiments that were happening without consent uh or, you know or taking someone's cells without their consent um, and no knowledge and recollection of it um, and making billions of dollars off of someone's cells and the family not re being able to reciprocate any of those benefits. I mean, it's heartbreaking, right? Those are very different than this particular vaccine rollout. And so it's important that, um, that you know, these individuals that were in the clinical trial wanted to volunteer and will closely monitor and everything was properly documented Otherwise, the FDA would not have had approved them because they all have to follow, you know, ethical standards at the end of the day. Sure. And who who you say they were monitored? Who was monitoring? The Federal Drug Administration. Okay. So, uh, again, uh, the, I think that this plays into the fact that people may be skeptical. Okay. So the federal the FDA was 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 monitoring it. Um, were there any? Um, NAACP monitoring it. Uh, maybe their doc, black, black doctors association, Hispanic doctors association. I don't even know if there is one. Hispanic doctors association. Was there anyone besides the government monitoring to make sure that this stuff wasn't well, going on? There were definitely um, physicians involved in the clinical trial, um, other than going through the government process for approval. Um, I don't have that list in front of me, but you do raise a good point. I know that the NAACP. Um, has been a strong proponent of the vaccine, and they've been on a number of panels across the country. Um, I can definitely look into who were some of the participated, who were some of the providers that participated um, before they went into the government process for approval. Um, how what was the makeup of those different providers? Right, and and, and again, yes, even with the clinical trials, and then of course with the, with the, with the ensuing vaccines because if if the henry lax situation taught us anything is that okay we need somebody yes to monitor the situation but even if someone is a super uh super resistant person they find this person i mean what if the fda what what stops anyone from doing it somebody has to be monitoring the monitor so it's all being monitored <laughs> yes yeah, so all the vaccines are um, we have to closely monitor all of the doses that are being distributed to whom and any and, it's, and a system is called the V-Safe, which is through the Center of Disease Control, where if there's any va vaccine adverse events, those are all reported into the, and entered into this portal. So it's definitely closely being monitored. Um, that's the reason why the rollout um, was um, utilized. A system is called Vaccine um, um, Administrative Administration that Management System called VAMS. Um, it's so difficult to use because it forces us as health officials to monitor every single dose and then um, the reactions that may uh, may happen. When you get vaccinated, we're not just putting a shot in your arm. We actually have to observe you between 15 to 30 minutes um, 
because we want to make sure you don't have any exophylaxis um, um, or any other reactions that we need to then report um, or that you may need to, um, you know, God forbid, go to the go to the hospital because your reaction is so severe. And there has been some people who have had those types of reactions, right? Very few, but there are very few. Um, very few um, have had a reaction. Um, we did have one particular case that was really unique that I found really, really interesting is someone was actually actively, someone actively had COVID, did not get tested and tried to get vaccinated and, and, and it resulted in a case fatality and oh, untimely wow. death because oh, the wow. person didn't, was actively infected with the virus. And so that's why it's so critical. And, and this person was in the healthcare field. So I think there were some missed opportunities on safety on making sure that they tested the individual beforehand and really um so you know i don't know the, is the, that part of the process to give a test before they actually give the vaccine no is that part of but if he was he was definitely symptomatic before he came in to work uh, to get okay. the vaccine and so i would have been concerned to it for us and so one of the things that we do we and, you know the screening process is lengthy because we want to make sure that we're looking at any potential risk for any reactions that we don't want people to have, um, you know, a negative reaction to that level. Very um, good. We, okay. Yeah. Mm. No, go ahead. If you had more to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to, I was going to say, um, you know, that was just like one example of like so many other success stories, right? So you've had, um, I had um, a vaccine rollout and my board member, who's Dr. Young, shout out to Dr. Young. If you're listening, um, Dr. Young um, was vaccinated the same day as me. His first dose, um, neither one of us had issues. Um, he was fine. I was fine. I had just a slight, um, I had slight pain at the site of injection. The second dose, we got vaccinated at the same time, exactly the same exact appointment because of um, just the way our work schedules um, plans out. So we, we get vaccinated and my second dose, he's totally fine. And my second dose, I actually felt the pain at the site of injection almost immediately. And I literally like clockwork 12 hours later in the middle of presenting to small businesses about the importance of vaccine, I started feeling the side effects that by noon, um, I had, we had ordered all this lunch for the staff. And by noon, I had, I told my staff I needed to go home and take a nap. And I literally slept almost until that, um, midnight from like 1230 to midnight, um, from just the side effects wiping me out. I felt the exact, um, uh, symptoms that the clinical trials indicated. I was fatigued. I had a fever. I had the chills. I went from the chills to night sweats. And, um, what I did wrong, and I urge individuals not to do what I did, um, I tried to still work through that because my schedule was so insanely busy and we were trying to vaccinate seniors. So I was trying to push through and still actively work rather than just giving myself 24, um, 24 to 48 hours to really allow my body to know that uh, I was vaccinated and now my body's in defense mode, um, fighting against the side effects. The good news is, as all my doctor friends would tell me, are the vaccine was working. So the side effects were showing that the body was fighting it. And so I definitely was uh, an example of the of the side effects that I'm always promoting. Um, and then I know other people that had no side effects, right? 
half my nurses, we all were wiped out. We all got vaccinated together and and we all had similar symptoms. And, and I think it also, to Isha's point earlier, is about being really healthy. And I think all of all of us, we've been working like nonstop for a year now without any vacation and like working till 12 hours a day. I think our immune systems were just not ready and we really needed to take that time to be able to rest. Very good. I've also heard that people have suggested getting the vaccine if you can uh, Thursday or Friday, just so you can take those, that weekend off to to kind of chill Correct. out. Uh, so Chris Casey uh, had his second shot about ten hours ago. Chris just and he got the thumbs up there. So uh, just tell us how you're feeling and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Stacy Jones uh, said uh, the vaccine has been out less than a year. Do you have any concerns and long term side effects of the vaccine as well? And, not at this time. I'm definitely, we're definitely uh, monitoring. I think my, if I do have a concern, the concern is, do I need a booster um, because of these new variants? Um, and so I think that's sort of where I'm sort of watching it. Um, the the vaccines, um, in, you know, monitoring the ingredients and the process of the development. Um, we certainly um, would not be promoting it. One of the things that we made consciously in the beginning of this pandemic is making sure that we look at all of the scientific data to making sure that we dissect it. So myself, my medical director, um, clinical director, my epidemiologist, I mean, we are continuously working really hard on really assessing both vaccines, what's the latest news coming out. And if I find something, oh, trust me, I will inform the community, um, whether it's in favor or not in favor, because at the end of the day, the community has the right to know. Very good. Aisha is asking, uh, how long do you think we'll be going through this? Is there light at the end of the tunnel, right? I'm hearing we're wearing masks till at least next year, 2022. Uh, what's, what's the prognosis for this whole thing? So Isha, today I found out through our CDC call that we have to start double masking as of Wednesday. So what does that tell us? That unfortunately, um, we are in interesting times. Um, you know, the vaccine rollout certainly was giving me some vaccine hope. Um, but we do now have three variants that have entered our country and we need uh, more than ever um, for the federal government to put investment into public health so that we can figure out how to fight this pandemic and get to a point where we can get a cure. Um, we know that the vaccine is not a cure, but if we can get to building herd immunity, regardless of the variant, um, then we can start seeing a light on the end of the tunnel. I have a glimpse of hope, um, but um, but there are certain uncertainties that are still out there. So please wear your mask. And unfortunately, uh, Fauci already verbally announced it, um, but it's going to be officially no, um, announced on Wednesday that um, in writing that um, they're going to be recommending individuals wear two masks. I can't even breathe with one mask on. I'll be passing. Mean, people are going to be passing out. I mean, forget about the Me forget about, the, about, the, about the, the virus. People will be passed out because of the lack of oxygen. That's just, uh, oh man, wow! Just wearing two the masks. Particles That's are no joke. These particles with the new variants are no joke. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, Chris says he's experiencing uh, localized localized effects, minor pain, redness, swelling, et cetera. And that was from 10 hours ago. 10 hours ago. So they, uh, Chris, did you take any um, Tylenol or ibuprofen? Uh, she's got the little mad emojis going on there. She's a little upset about that. I, I didn't hear that. That's... I know, because listen, she was, listen, we travel together. She's what my would be... partner. 
Uh, well, I'm mad at both of you guys, quite honestly. Uh, so what, what do you think that the prognosis is for um, – how did someone forget their question in the middle of the question? I'm thinking about you guys traveling all the time. Uh, Chris says he took a two ibuprofen. Two good. ibuprofen. Okay, good. Okay. I'll yes. be thinking of you. Positive vibes. <laughs> so, what do you, what, what's your, what's your uh, thoughts uh, um, concerning if they become mandatory um, as far as uh, uh, public health workers having get it, police officers, firefighters, nurses, mm -hmm. uh, anyone who works in the public health sector, mm -hmm. uh, those who work in elderly homes, or even traveling. We talked about that a little bit. You know, you mm -hmm. cannot get in an airplane unless you show proof of vaccination. What's your thoughts mm -hmm. about that? So I think, you know, I think the key frontline workers that um, were negatively impacted throughout this pandemic um, I, I certainly feel like our frontline workers, like our healthcare workers, those that have the highest risk, um, just like they get routine vaccination to protect themselves from other diseases um, and take routine, you know, tuberculosis testing, et cetera. Um, I definitely, in, I am in favor of that. Um, certain, you know, it's highly encouraged now at the Yoni Haven Hospital. Um, it, it is going to be up to legislation. Um um, I think for those that are traveling and you're traveling all over the world, uh, it is risky. Um, and if a, if a vaccine, so you need to outweigh the risk um, versus the um, the the benefits of the vaccine. So um, I would, you know, I'm vaccinated, so obviously I'm pro vaccine. But I I would definitely if it's if it's I I don't know if it should if it should be mandated. It should be highly recommended for travelers, but um, I think for other for other sectors, it should be um, mandated just so that they can protect themselves or and or the patient that they that they may be serving that it is immunized, um, you know, immunocompromised. Like if they're dealing with cancer um, or you're dealing with elderly patients who have a high case fatality rate, um, you want to be able to also protect the patients um, that you that you serve. And so um, so that's how I feel about that. Teachers in Chicago were refusing to go back to the classrooms because of this whole situation, right? Because they were. Are you helping? You say teachers? Helping. Teachers, teachers in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. They were they were concerned about uh, about uh, getting back into the classroom physically um, because of this this whole situation, you know. So I know that this mm -hmm. is a really, 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 really big problem that people are are really mm -hmm. kind of dealing with. Uh, Aisha says, "I think the FDA should place." Other viable workable resources in the black and brown communities that promote self-care or even family care. Yeah. Yet, um, so what would uh, what would that look like? Other viable. I mean, listen, she, we, uh, she's Maritza's already talked about um, uh, maintaining healthiness. I've done shows and please go back to my previous shows about eating right and diet and exercise yeah. and all that kind of thing. And just to maintain, so we don't have these pre-existing uh, conditions. I think that that's really, really key is that, you know, it, it's just kind of a, just a, just a given, okay, black and brown people have all these pre-existing conditions. Well, let's get rid of these pre-existing conditions, right? The heart disease, the, the diabetes and all that. Let's get rid of that. Well, we have to get rid of a lot of things, right? The mm -hmm. systems and the, and the environment that we're in are making us sick. So it's going to take time, right? It's going to take time for us to dismantle all these different things that have caused us to be at a disadvantage. You know, living in dense communities is a contributing factor. I think it needs to be done simultaneously because right now we haven't seen a level of this pandemic in a hundred 
years before the Spanish flu, right? And so we have we have a pandemic that's moving faster than what we can even control. And I think simultaneously, we need to start infiltrating some healthy habits. How do we start breaking down these systems? How do we make our neighborhoods safer? How do we ensure jobs? I mean, there are so many social determinant factors. The violence in our city alone, in particular in New Haven, has been so bad in the, I mean, I haven't, I haven't even seen it this bad in such a long time. I mean, I worked in another large, the largest urban city and between that large urban city and another one in Connecticut, it was common, but in Connecticut and New Haven, all of a sudden the crime has risen and, and, and you're seeing a lot of domestic disputes and even, even smaller towns where spouses are um, having, you know, untimely deaths. I mean, everywhere. So this pandemic is doing a multitude of things to us mentally and physically. And we're going to have to figure out as a community on how do we start proactively um, working on ways that we can prevent and promote healthy well-being, both for the mental and the physical. Oh, I like that a lot. I, I like that a lot. What, what uh, you're, you're linking a lot to um, the the violence in the cities. Do we know that in particular that it, the violence not only in in New Haven and, and it's going up in Waterbury? I know that there's a section of Waterbury Everywhere. that's really bad. Chicago's you know bad. I talked to my man Stacy. Uh, you know Minnesota is bad. You know that was obviously well Minneapolis is bad, particularly where George Floyd was killed. Is still kind of off the chain. I mean, some of it is is a result of the George Floyd protests, but some of it is a result of yes being congregated and not having other things to do. Are we linking that together? And we looking at all these type of things in your in your discussions that you that are you talking about? Okay, we need to address not only the medical side but these social aspects as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's always on the forefront, right? Um, do we have the capacity to do that? No, um, we don't. The reality is not. But one of the things that I challenge is that there's a lot of community partners and leaders that can step up those that are not responding to COVID, right? There's a lot of entities that sort of went on the wayside and are sort of stuck because they're like, darn it, this pandemic has taken over everything. We now have to reassess creatively how are we going to get back into really promoting health and preventing um, the health and preventing violence in creative ways. I mean, a lot of the violence that you see, they're using technology. They're talking about they're going to shoot each other up in the video and then they go meet them, meet somewhere in our shooting. Like they, you know, the violence is starting on social media, a lot of it. Um, the other second component is that we're seeing is that people have not been accustomed to being in their homes to this length of time with their own being a family, right? <laughs> so let's just be real, right? The nightclubs are all Cabin shot. fever is real. <laughs> Cabin fever is real. <laughs> Cabin fever is really taking it to the next level. And then here I come, the enforcer, right? And then I'm shutting stuff down. People ready to kill me, but I'm trying to protect your health. But I get it, especially in our culture as black and brown communities, listen, this is what we do. I mean, in my culture, we we party, we create major parties out of a kid's birthday that just turned one. Okay. I know I've had to break we, them up before. So I know. <laughs> we turn up. We turn What's going up. on here? It's a one-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> shut it down. It's 2 a.m. Come on. You know, liquor everywhere, whatever. And, <laughs> and so 
And so the fact that this pandemic has almost stripped this from us, mm. right? It like stripped it and then people are trying to cope and their coping mechanisms are not good, right? I have a girlfriend who works in DCF. Their caseload has like beyond tripled since the pandemic. And shout out to my girl. Now, is that because yes, also- I'm not going to say her name. Is but, that also because because uh, some of the people aren't working as well? I mean, there were some layoffs yeah, people or are something. losing like, jobs. Yeah, right, 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 right. People are, there's so much stress, right? There's all right. these factors, right? People are losing right. their jobs. They're not able to have any type of social outlet. They barely like their baby daddy or husband we, when they got together or vice versa. And now there's these dynamics in the home you know, people are having relapse after they've, uh, you know, recovered. I've heard from, that, yeah, a lot of relapse. And, and new drugs, too. People who never and, took drugs are starting to take drugs. Correct. And so yeah. we are going to see the negative long-term effects from a social um, perspective, social determinants that have are, that are going to impact us in such a negative way that we are going to have to, we got to get through this pandemic so that we can start healing people, but we shouldn't wait. We really need leaders to start getting creative on how we can still reach the people without exposing and risking ourselves from getting COVID. Again, so is there an end in sight? We talk about double masking now. Is that going to do anything? I heard masks to 2022. Now we're double masking. Are we talking five years? I know the economy uh, is not supposed to rebound for another 10 years in, in all reality before we get back to the place that we were. Some of our favorite restaurants are closed. All this kind of stuff has been closing down, shutting down. What's the prognosis, at least for getting the pandemic under control? What's 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 that projection? We don't have a we we don't have a projection. Okay. Um, we don't have a projection because there's a, a couple of variables that we have to look at, right? We know for a fact that different models, scientific models, have indicated that we need to vaccinate sixty to seventy percent of the population, right? We we had a particular administration in in place that was hindering the process for us moving a lot quicker <laughs> i'm being diplomatic people always try to be diplomatic just call it what it is that idiot, that idiot who's going to get impeached well he's not going to well he's already impeached he's, but he's not he's not going to get convicted in he's, not getting in trouble. he's not going to get in trouble so Craziness, there were so many barriers there right that delayed and caused the loss of so many lives now we have a new administration that has a mess in their hands and they're going to have to figure out, and, that, and a shout out to President Biden, not that he's listening to this podcast, or maybe he is. Well, maybe and he maybe is. It can, maybe it can get to you, <laughs> President Biden. You have created a wonderful, diverse um, team of leaders that are going to address COVID in an equitable way. And so, and, and also holding um, him accountable on really making sure that things are being ethically done and, and it's rolled out the right way. And so we need access to more vaccines. We need to be able to get to this herd immunity. And then we got to get invest money into our laboratories so that they can figure out how to identify different variants to ensure that the vaccinations that we're injecting the community with, including myself, are going to provide us protective factors to these other variants that now have been introduced to our country. So that's another part that I want to ask you and address. I mean, I know you want to be diplomatic as, as possible, but many people are very skeptical. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Aisha's claims here, even though she's not saying this. I'm going to piggyback off what she's saying. A lot of people are very 
<laughs> a lot of people are very skeptical about the about the money making aspect of this, right? So to Nobody's Aisha's Oh, Moderna's not Nobody's making money? Johnson Johnson's not making money? There we're, we we get $20 per vaccine that we get. That's it. The vaccines are being paid by the federal government for free and there's no charge to the people. So okay. the they're not rep they're no, so no one's making money and then I I get $20 per person to get vaccinated, that doesn't even cover in half an hour of my nurse's time. I'm okay. just saying it. We're not making no money. There's no money being made. The rollout is just what is just similar to the testing. This is not an economic driver for people. This is about saving lives. And that's one thing I do appreciate. Okay. So so that may that may be a a a myth. A bonus. A bon yeah, a myth and a bonus that, that these drug companies want to push these drugs instead of having people eat fruits, vegetables, and exercise and maintain healthy lifestyles, right? So so maybe that, that is something else that people can consider is that nobody's making you money. CEOs are not making billions of dollars. The stock market's got it. The stock market's got These stock companies got to be investing in that. So listen, I don't know anything about the stock market because I am a public health official, but maybe I need to hang out with a finance guy. So he can teach me something about the stock market because that whole GameStop thing had me my head spinning. I tried to read up on that and I understood a little bit of it. I don't understand a little I bit about just, stocks, over the place. but the whole hedge fund thing is is really, really very complicated. And mm -hmm. we're baking bets and billionaires and then they stop it. And they're talking about now doing an investigation about that because Robin Hood, which I actually have Robin Hood. Uh, uh, they stop. They stopped you from being able to trade, so that just protects the little, the 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 rich instead of you know. It's all complicated and stuff. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, Chris is saying uh, big farmers getting paid by us taxpayers. Somebody's got to be collecting money on this. Taxpayers, I, yeah. Well, yeah. from the tax money, yeah, at the federal level, they're getting paid. But it's not like they're getting paid and then charging for the vaccines. So. No, no, no. We're no, but yes, but but the federal government is probably paying Big Pharma, Johnson Johnson, and and Moderna, and all these other companies. They're not doing it for free. They're they're not doing it for free. No, but they're definitely not. Um, what's the word that I want to use? Say say for example, they they the federal government pay them for all these vaccines for us, and then they go in turn and try to charge us to also buy these vaccines, and then we go and then bill you. That would be insane. That's so to me, you know, reciprocating, double dipping, it's not happening. So basically, oh, okay, I can, I can buy, I can buy that, but I can't buy that these companies are just doing it. For no, they, free. somebody has to pay for the vaccine. I mean, it's, well, it's just it's, it's, again. So again, so so yes, it okay. I don't want to belabor that point. So they're getting they're getting paid. Okay. They got to be getting paid from this. They got to be getting paid, and so just not by dollars. just yeah indirectly um, by the people, not directly. When you come in to get your vaccine, the yes. same thing with yes. when you walk in, you won't have to give it. You have to give a check. So the you government, don't have to give anything. You just get so the government is paying is paying Johnson Johnson Moderna and these other companies that you're. That you're Hopefully, paying. Johnson Johnson will, will be approved. Right now, it's Pfizer and Moderna. Or yeah. they'll or they boost up their their uh, you know Johnson Johnson their uh, other vac other medical uh, things that they supply or Moderna or Pfizer or you know you, you suddenly the. Uh, your bill for something else will go up because they have to pay for this. So, so somewhere along the lines, and I'm, I'm totally convinced that Ray Rose is saying that we pay for by future, future taxes, the, the, our bills for, for going to restaurants goes up, everything. They, they, everything eventually they going up. I did notice yeah. some restaurant prices go up because they're in dire need of customers. 
So I like a to, place that I like to eat, their prices went like double. Yeah, it was double. I went I went for for a uh, I, I get uh, I don't eat meat, so I got a Beyond Burger at one of those restaurants. Seventeen dollars. Seventeen dollars for like for, for plant based burger. What's that? You can get two packs of those like at the grocery store. Right. Exactly. Seventeen dollars for a plant based burger for plants. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but they were good, I'm sure, right? Oh, they were very good. Yes, <laughs> they were very good. It tastes like real meat. Yeah. Anyway. They do taste like real meat. Yeah. I'm not gonna derail. I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner. <laughs> well, I haven't had it. It's upstairs, so I'm gonna. Mine is already set to go. Um, so, give us your best pitch. We, we, we give us your best pitch as to convincing people. We've heard, we've heard the your your, your spiel there. Uh, I was, I was, I was reading something a little bit earlier. Uh, talked about the 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 best way to convince people is try to hear what they have to say. Um, so, we, we, give us your best pitch. If you're you run into a staunch person that is just anti-vaccine, uh, they're worried about their kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, just speaking of anti-vaccine, people are uh, these anti-vaxxers are won't get vaccines because they think about uh, kids getting autism and all that kind of stuff. You ever deal mm -hmm. with any of that kind of stuff as well? Well, kids cannot get vaccinated right now, so um, the vaccine is for 16 and over and 18 and over. So we haven't had a lot of the parent that the parents vaccine advocates advocating against it instead we've been actually getting inquiries about um when can kids start getting vaccinated um so it's been interesting to to start getting those questions i i think for me um my message for our viewers and thank you so much for participating and um and being part of this conversation i was on a vaccine debate um just this past saturday night i think we text each other that night um that i was like oh i'm on a panel and in the vaccine, the vaccine was with um, faith leaders of the seven day of um, Adventists. Mm. And there were a lot of those that were um, pro natural. So it was like naturopathy doctors, clinical doctors, and then my public health background. And what's, what's really interesting, and, and I try to keep my focus and I'll do the same here as I close out, is that um, for me is that we wanna be able to provide you the information that is um, that is best understood for you to be able be able to um, make your own decision. You can outweigh the risk. You can determine whether this is something that is for you or for a family member. And if you choose not to, we ask you to just please continue to be vigilant and following the necessary precautions. Even if you get vaccinated, the same message goes until we be build some herd immunity. And of course, I'm going to ask you to consider vac getting vaccinated and give us a call. Um, you can call us at 877-918-2224, or you can visit the website at covid19.newhavenct.gov. And you can always, I can always put my contact information um, in the chat group, because if anyone has any questions or you want to just have a conversation, and ultimately you can also um, contact your medical providers, they've pretty much all been vaccinated. Um, and ask um, further questions that you may have that are personal to you. So if you have a pre-existing condition, for example, you may have some specific questions that um, you wanna make sure does not interrupt with your treatment that you're getting. Um, you may just receive a different type of vaccination. How long do you wait after that, which is 14 days? Um, you know, I just got COVID, I'm still struggling with these long-term side effects, should I, wait a little bit longer, things like that. I, I definitely advise individuals to consult with your provider. Um, so as I close out, I just wanna say, wear your mask and unfortunately double up. 
um, physical distance and wash your hands and try not to go to any social gatherings. Try to, um, you know, keep your household tight um, so that you can keep your circle safe. And thank very you. Good. Thank, thank you, you very much. No, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Can you send me that link to that to that other to that other uh, thing you done on Saturday? Is that still around or is it recorded? Or I'd like to watch that. But see what the uh, homeopathic people are saying. Oh, yeah. it was just this past Saturday. Is it on Facebook or where? where it's I somewhere mean, on Facebook. Yeah, it was on Facebook Live. I got to send you the flyer. Okay. Yeah, send me the flyer, please. So yeah, I can, so I can, I can I, definitely I can do that. Um, yeah. It was on. It was on their Facebook. I was on YouTube. I don't know where I was, but I was on something like this because, you know, I don't have Facebook. Okay. So. All right. All right. So All very right. good. Everybody's got their questions out. Really appreciate you guys uh, uh, taking the time out to listen. And I really uh, thank my guests for coming on. And certainly she gives some good information. I think the best way she, she put it is, you know, she'll give you the information. You guys make the best decision for you, for your household, concerning your pre-existing conditions and all that kind of stuff. So much love and peace, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. Police reform is more than just a trending topic. My name is Lawrence Hunter. I'm a retired police captain from the state of Connecticut, and I've written a new book called Police Reform. And I talk about the evolution of law enforcement here in America and what changes need to be made in order to improve the relationship between the police and the communities that they serve. Over the past few months, it has become increasingly more important and more evident that there's something amiss and awry between the police and the communities that they serve. So whether you're about defunding the police or defending the police, if you're about Blue Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter, no matter what side of the fence you happen to sit on, make sure that you pick up your copy of Police Reform today.